Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, if you're interested in uh, having us pray and bless one of your children, or even if they're not so little, it would be our pleasure to do that. You can talk to any of the pillar pastors, or there's a respond card in front of you. You can uh, fill one out, put your name, say, I'm interested in you guys uh, blessing my little ones, and we will gladly, gladly do that. Amen? All right. Hey, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand and uh, they'll bring one to you. Once again, if you're visiting us today uh, and this is your first or second time, we are so grateful. My name is Nestor and uh, I'm the pastor and it's a pleasure to have you. Also want to welcome those that are watching online. Uh, it's glad. It's also a joy to have you. And uh, I, I just want to ask if, if this is a blessing, will you share it with some? Maybe hit that share button or send it as a text message to somebody. Amen. Uh, we're in a series where we're talking about the keys of the kingdom. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But we're in a series where we're talking about the keys that Jesus wants to give us. I had some keys, but I think Manolo took them from me. Um, and, and we're looking at these keys. Today, I want to talk to you about the key of prayer. But before we look at the key of prayer, I heard a really good joke about that. And I always think it's a good thing to start with a laugh, to start with a smile. Is that all right? It says that two guys who were friends were talking and discussing biblical things. They were discussing verses and theological concepts and, and uh, um, doctrine. And one of the friends look, looks over at the other one and he says, you know what? You really don't know much about the Bible. I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. The other friend's kind of insulted and shocked. But the other friend continues to say, in fact, I bet you $10 that you cannot recite the Lord's Prayer. The other friend says, I'll take that bet. And he takes a deep breath. He gets ready and he begins to say, now I lay down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The other friend begins to laugh hysterically. <laughs> and as he's laughing, he reaches into his pocket, takes out $10, and he gives it to him. And he says, I didn't think you would know it. <laughs> now, you know why some of you are laughing? Because you don't know the Lord's Prayer. Because that's not the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven. Give us today. All right, all right. Good job. I don't have $10 to give to every single one of you that knew it, but good job. Amen. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your joy, your freedom. Thank you, Lord, because as we are in your house, we believe that, Lord, we are receiving rest. We're receiving energy. We're receiving guidance. Your Holy Spirit is working in us. So, Lord, if we walked in with burdens, I pray that we walk out with strength. If we walked in with joy, I pray that we would walk out with much more gratitude, Lord. Father, thank you. Minister to us. Don't just inform us, transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can't go a day in your life without using keys. Keys are just part of our everyday life. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those uh, nerdy, techie guys. I, I really enjoy technology a lot. And I think there's been a lot of technology advancement when it comes to keys. For example, a couple of months back, I bought this little cool $12 gadget that I was able to connect to my garage. And now I can open my garage from anywhere in the world. I can do it with my watch. I, could, I, I don't even have to be there to open the garage door. We have one of those uh, door pads in our front door where it doesn't have a key. It's a bunch of buttons that we can push and it opens the doors for us. And we can't go a day in our life without needing keys. But they are something that we often don't think about how important they are until what? We lose them. It isn't until you lose them that you begin to panic. Yesterday was Maisley's birthday, and uh, we had our family over. And uh, when, when they were all getting ready to leave, my brother was going crazy because he couldn't find his keys. He was calling everybody. Hey, you don't think you took them by accident? You don't think maybe they're in your, right? Because we don't realize how important they are until they're lost. Let me ask you a question. You got plans today. At least I think you do. What would happen? How ruined would your day be if you lost your keys and you couldn't find them? Your attitude would change. Your plans would definitely need to change, right? Because keys are just so essential to our everyday life. Well, just as you have physical keys or digital keys that are essential to your everyday life, Jesus has keys that are essential to our everyday spiritual life. And the thing about the keys that Jesus has is that he wants to give them to you and to me. Look at what Matthew 16, 19 says. This has been the verse of our series. Jesus speaking, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of what? Of heaven. And last week, if you were here, you, re, you, you got to recall how, how I share with you this whole process of how authority was given to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve gave that to Satan. But Jesus at the cross and at the empty tomb took that authority back. And now he what? He gives it to you and to me. Right? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. These keys that Jesus talks about, they're keys to experience the privileges that come from having a relationship with Jesus. These keys, they talk about authority that God wants to give to us. They talk about power. They talk about access. They talk about benefits that God wants us to have. Perhaps for you to better understand this concept of the kingdom of God would help 
to know that there are other kingdoms. In fact, let me talk about three other kingdoms that exist. There's the earthly kingdoms, the human kingdoms, and the kingdom of darkness. The earthly kingdoms, these are the easiest to identify because it's the kingdom of nations. These are marked by territories, borders, governments, flags, cultures. And the earthly kingdoms, it's easy to identify. But there's also another kingdom, and it's the human kingdom. It's what rules, what governs, what determines the conduct in every person's life. And that may be your values, that may be your, your upbringing, that may be experiences that you may have had, things that influence, but every single one of us has a human kingdom. There's something that rules, there's something that guides, there's something that determines how we are. Now, the good news for those of us that, are, that have Jesus is that it is he who now rules in us, right? And he gives us that freedom and he gives us that peace and he gives us that power. But the third kingdom is also the kingdom of darkness. And this is a kingdom of evil that seeks to destroy. It is the demonic powers of the enemy. And the Bible calls them principalities and powers. Jesus said that the enemy came to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. So when you think about these three other kingdoms, the earthly kingdom, the human kingdoms, and the kingdom of darkness, perhaps it can help you better have an idea about what it means when Jesus said the kingdom of God. Now, without a doubt, the kingdom of God is the most powerful kingdom of them all. The kingdom of God will one day literally rule over all earthly kingdoms. One day, every nation and every knee and every tongue will bow down and confess Jesus is Lord. But not only is God's kingdom greater than earthly kingdoms, it is also greater than human kingdoms. Because some of us are witnesses here, and if you are, you got to help me out here. Some of us, before we came to Jesus, we were governed. We were, we, were, we were in domain of addictions and bad behaviors and past experiences and pains. But we came to Jesus, and he set us free. He healed us. He gave us a new purpose. He gave us a new identity. And now we are not who we used to be. Because the kingdom of God is greater than human kingdoms. Right? But the kingdom of God is also greater than the kingdom of darkness. Because at the cross, the kingdom of darkness thought that they had the ultimate victory. But just when they thought that they had the ultimate victory, it was their greatest defeat. Because it was at the cross where the Bible says that Jesus literally humiliated the kingdom of darkness and the, and the demonic powers. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated death. And now you don't have to be afraid of the devil. Amen. I'm shocked by Christians who are afraid of ghosts and spirits and, and el chamuco and el cucuy and whatever it is that they call it where you're from. If you are a believer and you are afraid of the dark world, it's because you don't understand your identity. Amen. Because they are afraid of you. 
and they lie to you and they tell you that you ought to be because that's where darkness gets its power in fear. But the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of darkness. And you know what's the really cool thing? That in this great kingdom of God, Jesus says to you and to me, I want you to come and partner with me. I want you to be part of expanding, of ruling in this kingdom. I want you to help me bring the kingdom truth. I want you to help me bring the kingdom peace. I want you to help me to bring the kingdom life into every part of this world. I want my kingdom to rule where you work through you. I want your family to enjoy of my kingdom through you. And he invites us, right? And he gives us these keys and he says, he says, listen, I'm the king of kings and Lord of lords, but I want you with me. Jesus said, I don't call you servants. I call you what? Friends. And see, he gives us these kingdoms that are authority, power, benefits, experiences. And that's, those are the keys that we are looking at. If you were here the first week, we talked about the first key, which is the key of life. We said that the key of life is what allows us to know God. It isn't until we are brought spiritually alive that God makes sense to us. Other than that, we cannot know God. God becomes this weird, religious, radical thing. But when, when you have Jesus, when you receive Jesus, you are given the key of life and you can know God. And, and when you know God, you can flourish. When you know God, you can grow. When you know God, you can develop. You can reach your highest potential. You can experience His truth and His love. Last week, we looked at the second key. And we said that the second key is the key of the Word of God. And the Word of God It's to be heard, known, believed, but most of all, applied. And we said that when we hear the word, when we know the word, when we believe the word, but most importantly, when we apply the word, the word has an impact on us that then makes us people of impact. The key to success in life is applying the word of God. So today... I want us to look at the third key, and that is the key of prayer. Now, you're really smart people, right? So you're probably thinking, prayer? We've heard a lot of sermons about prayer. Well, I knew you would say that, so we're going to try to do something a little bit different today, okay? So I wanted to come up with a definition of prayer that would challenge our concept of prayer. Because most of us, we think we know what prayer is. Well, prayer is talking to God. Prayer is taking your needs to God. Well, let me give you a definition that I heard Dr. Tony Evans give as a definition of prayer. Now, it's going to take you a few minutes to process it, but we're going to do that together. Are you with me? Amen. Here it is. Look at what he says. Dr. Tony Evans says that prayer is earth giving heaven permission to interfere on her affairs. Prayer is earth giving heaven permission. And I know some of you are like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Is that theologically correct? Well, we'll check it out right now, right? Prayer is earth giving heaven permission to interfere on her affairs. 
Now, let me prove to you why I believe and I agree with this. Recall, last week I told you that when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion. He gave them authority. He gave them power over creation. That dominion, that governing was then granted over to the enemy when Adam and Eve sinned. But then Jesus said that because of his life and his works, all authority had been given to him. And that's why he was what? Sending us to go. So God has given us dominion. God has given us permission to rule. And here's a really cool thing about God, okay? And some of you, some of you, this is like all the opposite of what you think God is. When God gives you power, he also gives you freedom. Did you know that? See, most people don't want to come to God because they say, oh, God is a, a killjoy and it's a bunch of things that I shouldn't do. Well, I guarantee you that if you were to read the Bible and focus on all the things that you can do, the things that you can do won't compare to the things that you can. And when God gave us dominion, he also gives us freedom. He says, yes, I've given you dominion and power and authority to rule, but I'm also going to give you freedom to invite me or to do it your way. Now, take a wild guess. I know it's a wild guess. How do you think most people use that freedom? To invite God into their lives? Or to do things their way? That's why prayer is earth giving heaven power permission to interfere in her affairs. Let me say it in a more simple way. Prayer is asking God for help when you need it. You know why? Because just because God knows a need doesn't mean he's going to act up on it. Because he's giving you power, but he's also giving you freedom. I know some of you parents are really having a really hard time with that. You're like, I'm supposed to give my kid power and freedom? Yes. God does it. He could trust you. Right? Look at what James 4.2 says. James, the half-brother of Jesus, just in case you didn't think Mary had more children, she actually did. And James was one of them. And at the time when Jesus was alive, James was not among Jesus' followers. But after the, the death and resurrection, James not only believed that his half-brother Jesus was the Son of God, but he gave his life to continue the message of his half-brother. And look at what James writes in his book in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, you don't have what you want because what? Because you don't ask for it. Or, let's say it this way. You don't have what you want because you don't invite, you don't give God permission into your situation. See, you don't have because you are not using the key of prayer. Hear me out. God knows your situation. God knows what you're facing. God knows what your need is. God knows what the answer is. God knows what door you ought to take. But he won't do it. He won't give it to you. He won't show you until you ask him to. And the problem is, 
According to James, many of us are not asking him to. Just because God knows a need doesn't mean he will act on it. You know why? Because he wants a relationship. He wants there to be a relational communication. And here's the crazy thing. Most of us do with God what we do in our other relationships. What is that, pastor? Well, let me tell you what I refer to. Most of us think that because we wish something, we want something, we think something, we need something, we don't have to communicate it, but those in our relationship have to do it for us. Did you hear me out? Isn't that true? Well, I thought you would know. And what does your husband or spouse say? Well, I can't read minds. And sometimes we think, and we do this especially more with God. We say, well, he knows I need this. He knows I intend well. He knows my plans. Yes, he knows, but he wants to hear from you. He wants you to invite him into your situation. I know you're going to have a hard time with this, but you ready for this? He wants you to give him permission to act in your situation. And we do that through prayer. The author F.B. Meyer said the following. He said, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy is not that you would pray and God wouldn't answer it, which we'll talk about that in a minute, but that you wouldn't even offered that prayer. So prayer is the third key in the kingdom of God. And prayer opens three very powerful, essential doors to the Christian life. You ready for them? Let me tell you what they are. You can fill them out in your outline. Number one, prayer opens the door to the presence of God. Number one, prayer opens the door to the presence of God. James 5.13 says the following. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should what? Go on Facebook and moan about it. <laughs> Call your comadre and complain. What should you do when you're suffering, when you're in pain, when things happen that you don't deserve, when life gets unbearable? What should you do? Pray. Pray. And he continues on to say, are any of you happy? Is anybody happy? Then what, you should, what should you do? Go to Vegas? Go buy a lottery ticket? Go buy another pair of shoes? No, he says what? Sing praises. Here's the thing. James says, when things are not going well, and the word they're suffering in the original Greek, it refers to suffering brought upon us that we don't deserve. Kind of like, like persecution. He says, when things don't happen, when things are going on in your life that you don't deserve, when they become unbearable, pray. Yeah. Just pray. Don't moan and, and complain. He says, pray. But he also says, hey, when things go well, when you get a a pay raise, when you get your dream job, when, when you get pulled over by a cop but he doesn't give you a ticket, when, when, when a bill gets forgiven, what does he say to do? Praise him. Praise him. Now, why does James say to pray and to praise him? Here's why. Because both of those things open us into the presence of God. Amen. See, 
Some of you, you think that because I sit up here, I don't know what time you get here. But I do. And I know some of you, you're skipping out on worship because your thing is like, I just don't like worship. Well, let me tell you that worship, we don't plan worship with you in mind. We don't think, man, what would Manolo like to sing this Sunday? You know, what are the songs that get Commander Rudy clapping so we can? No. We sing because he has been good to us. And there is something that we owe him, and that is our praise. Let me tell you something. And you know I love you, right? If you are not ashamed to put a cowboy sweater on, sorry, James. You shouldn't be ashamed to raise your hands and thank Jesus. If you're not ashamed to put on Facebook that you're a Raider fan and you should, you should not be afraid to sing to the Lord. You guys know I love cowboy fans and Raider fans, right? But this is whose house? There we go. There we go. You get what I'm saying, right? We're having a little bit of fun, but you get what I'm saying? When things aren't going well, we pray. We pray. Here's the question I got for you. If we take into consideration what F.B. Meyer said about prayer, is it possible that there's some things that you've been carrying too long, that you've been carrying them because you haven't brought them to prayer to the Lord? Is it possible? I think so. And see, when we pray, and by the way, prayer doesn't just involve you giving all your needs to God. It involves praise. When we spend time communicating with God, communicating with God, His presence comes into our life. And you know the wonderful thing about His presence? That when His presence walks in, everything else has to walk out. It's hard to be in the presence of God and still be angry. It's hard to be in the presence of God and still be bitter. It's hard to be filled with the presence of God and still be worried. How much more different would your everyday life be if you were just more aware of God's presence in your life? And we say, well, how do I get more of God's presence? You pray. You praise Him. Look at what what, uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says. It says that we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that what? How do we know what pleases God when we have a relationship with Him? You know, Macy, my oldest, she doesn't like chocolate. I don't know why she doesn't like chocolate. And the rest of us, we love chocolate. Chocolate donuts, yum, right? But she doesn't like chocolate. Now, I know that because I have a relationship with her. I know some of you don't like coffee. Because I've offered it enough times and he said, no, thank you, pastor. I don't like coffee. See, you know what the person likes, what pleases the person, because what? You have a relationship with them. Some of you are asking things for God that don't please him. And you know why you're doing that? And I say this very respectfully, because you don't know him. It says, and, if we are co- and we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us, when we make our request, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. And then Psalm 22, 3 says the following. 
It says, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. God comes. Listen, here's the idea of that verse. When we are praising God, when we are thanking God, when we are making a big deal out of God, which we should all the time, any time that your kid gets an A, you should say, man, God is good. Every time you get home safely, you ought to thank God for. Every time that you get a paycheck, you ought to praise God for. See, those are the things that we take for granted. But when we praise God, here's the idea of that verse. It says that God comes and he sits. He puts its weight. He puts his glory on us. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. He brings his resources. He brings all that he is into our situation. So the first key, that per, the first door, that the key of prayer unlocks is the presence of God. But the second one is the, is the door to restoration. Would you fill that out in your outline? Is the door to restoration. Or in parentheses, you can put healing. Look at what James 5, verses 14 and 15 says. It says, is is anyone among you sick? He must call the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church, and they are to what? Pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will restore the one that is what? Sick. James says that if any of us are sick... That we are to what? Pray. But specifically, that we are to call the elders of the church. Now, here's what you got to know. We have elders at Dayspring. Brother Steve is one of our elders. Martha is one of our elders. Tony and his wife, Manolo and Grace, Angel and Melody are elders in our church. And if you ever need prayer... You have the freedom to call any of them and they would love to pray for you. I don't know if you noticed, but I asked Steve for oil and he had it ready. He's always ready to pray for you. Right? And he says, call the elders of the church. Now, here's what I got to tell you. One of the big complaints that I hear a lot about people that leave is that they say, well, I went through something and nobody called me. And they're right. They're absolutely right. Nobody called them. And I feel it breaks my heart. But then I'll ask two questions. The first question I'll ask is, well, who knew? Who knew about what you were going on that should have called you? Because if nobody knew, then you can't complain that nobody called. Because we're Christians, not mind readers. Right? But then the second question I ask, and forgive me if I'm being a little edgy here. I said, who do you call? Have you ever called anybody? Because what we sow is what we And some people want to reap things that they've never sown. They're lone rangers. They want to be left alone. But when the world falls apart, they want people to be there. Well, what people? If you're not in a life group, if you're not in community, if you're not serving, likely nobody knows. And you'll never plant any seeds that then you can reap. So, so, but if you ever are sick or you need something... You got to know that you can call us. We want to pray for you. We want to do what we can to help you. And James says that the elders are to anoint them with oil. Now, why? Well, the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The oil is symbolic of the activity of the Holy Spirit. In fact, 
That is another belief that we practice. Next Sunday, we're going to have anointing Sunday. And we're going to have a time where we're going to have our elders and our prayer team up here. And we want to pray with you. If you got something that you need prayer for, we want to pray with you. If you got something that you want to celebrate, something that God has done because he's been good to you, we want to celebrate with you and we want to anoint you. So we're going to be doing that next Sunday. So if you got some friends or family members or coworkers that are going through some rough time, tell them, hey, next Sunday we're going to have a special time in our church. I'd like you to come. You're going to be prayed for and you're going to be blessed. Right? But James says, going back to our passage, he says, call the elders of the church, have them pray and anoint the person. And he says, the person of faith will make the person well. There's, uh, I believe the New Living Translation, if I remember correctly, uses the word healed. But um, the ESV uses the word save. I don't know if they can put them up in the screen. Right? So restore, save, and heal. Which one is it? All three. Now, here's what you got to know. Sickness is not just physical sickness. It could be relational sickness. It could be emotional sickness. It could be mental sickness, illness. It's not just talking about physical. And there's many things that cause sickness. Sometimes it's a virus. Sometimes it's a change in life. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's a lack of rest. Sometimes it's a poor diet. But regardless of what you need, James says that prayer opens the door to restoration. Now, why did I use the word restoration and not heal? Well, here's why. Because I know what some of you guys are thinking. Pastor, what about those times when we pray for God to heal somebody and he doesn't? What happens then? I thought James says that if we pray in faith, the prayer offered in faith will bring healing. Yes, but you never interpret a verse disconnected from the rest of the Bible. And we just read a verse earlier that it says that if we ask according to his will, he will do. Here's something that you got to know that is going to help you grow in your relationship with God. God can heal every disease, but God often doesn't heal every disease. Why? We don't know. But here's what we do know. When God can't physically heal, He will restore your peace. He will restore your strength. He will restore your faith. He will restore your relationship. And I, I know this is a deep topic and maybe we'll make time. I'm thinking of doing a series called Tough Topics where we can talk about those tough things. Like this is one of them, like suicide, abortion, depression, like all those things. So maybe we'll touch more then. But, but here's something that you got to know. Here's something that you got to know. One of the reasons that I believe, this is my personal belief, that one of the reasons that sometimes God doesn't heal us every single time is because he wants us to be heavenly minded and not earthly minded. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, every sickness, every illness, every pain, every hurt will be removed from our bodies when we are in heaven. Amen? Amen? So, but prayer offers, opens the door to restoration. And sometimes God heals you. And even when he doesn't, 
He'll restore your peace. He'll restore your strength. He'll restore your hope. He'll restore your vigor. He'll restore your faith. Amen? And then the third thing, and I'll finish with this. The third thing is that prayer opens the door to great results. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great powers and produces what? Wonderful results. You know why we don't see more great things happen? I had somebody ask once, Hey, how come we don't see fire coming down from heaven and manna? How come we don't see the seas part? You know why? Because we don't have men and women that pray like the men in the Bible. Because if we prayed with fervor, things would happen. In fact, James continues to talk about it in verses uh, 17 and 18 of chapter 5. Look at what he says. He says, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for what? Three years. Can you imagine having that kind of authority? To say, hey God, I need you to stop the rain for three years and a half. And God says, I got you, son. And then the verse goes on to say that then Elijah prayed that rain would fall. And what happened? Rain came. Perhaps we are not seeing greater things happen because we are not praying enough. God has given some of you the, the spiritual gift of divine healing. The spiritual gift of miracles. But you're not operating in it for lack of faith, but also perhaps because of lack of prayer. Because remember, once again, prayer is what? Giving heaven permission to interfere on earthly affairs. I wondered, I wondered if we would see greater things happen if our prayer was not this, quote unquote, I'm not making fun of this expression, but quote unquote, a Hail Mary, and it was more a fervent prayer. Like, Lord, help me out, please. But more like, Lord, I'm counting on you. I, I trust that you're going to make a way. And even if you don't, I'm still going to follow you and love you, but I'm counting on you anyways. Amen. Let me finish with this because I ran out of time. Let me finish with this. I realize how old I am when I thought of this illustration, okay? But um, back in the days, if you ever lost your debit card, if you had a, a debit card especially, I don't know that it was with credit cards. I know with debit cards. Back in the day, if you ever lost your debit card, you could call and they would freeze or cancel your old one and then they would mail you a new one. Remember that? Come on, don't, 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 don't make me sound like I'm the only old one here, okay? I know the young people are like, whoa, what's a debit card, you know? But they would mail you a new one, right? And now, 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 if you ever lose it, they just have you call a number, you put the number in the card, and it gets activated. But anybody remember how you had to activate the old debit cards? Yes, you had to go to an ATM, literally put it in, put your pin on it, and then it was activated. Now, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but there's people that would lose their debit card, 
call, get a replacement, and then walk around with that unactivated debit card in their wallet because they just never had time to go to an ATM to activate it. Now, you know what's the funny thing? It's not like there's one ATM that everybody's got to go to. They were everywhere, right? But people walked around with an unactivated debit card because they just didn't activate it. Can I tell you that a lot of you are walking around with an unactivated debit prayer card? And you keep telling yourself, I just don't have time. I really want to. I pray in my cars. I'm listening to the podcast, you know, and you're walking around with an unactivated card. If you would just direct your attention, you don't even have to kneel down. But if you just say, Lord, I'm here for you and I'm here to connect with you. All that you need, the door that you've been asking for would be open. Church, at the beginning of this year, or better said, at the end of last year, I really sense from the Lord inviting us to seek his presence and make it a priority. And I have not forgotten about it. I want you to know I have not forgotten about it. Maybe I haven't talked about it, but I have not forgotten about it. The pillar pastors can help me testify that that is still my desire, that is still my plan. Can I tell you what is one of the things that I want to invite you, and I've done this before and I will do it again. One of the things that I would want our church to be strong in is in our prayer gatherings. We do them the first Saturday and the third Saturday of every month for one hour. And I know some of you are like, I wake up early every day. Well, if you do it for your boss, couldn't you do it one day for Jesus? I would love, and I have, there's many of you that I have not seen there once in many years. But I'm not giving up hope. I'm still praying that I would see you there. Because here's the thing. If as a church, we start using and we activate the kingdom key of prayer, we will become a powerful church. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. Much prayer, much power. So this coming Saturday... We're meeting up for prayer at 8 a.m. And afterwards, Pastor Manolo's taking us to Iburritos uh, down the street. Come join us. We've been working. We've been working at having awesome worship. The pillar pastors bring an awesome encouragement. We pray. We celebrate. We thank God. Let's activate the, king, the kingdom key of prayer. Amen. Would you bow your head with me for just a minute? Before uh, we go into the announcement, I want to do two quick things. The first thing I want to do is I want to let you know I brought the, eight, the ATM to you. And if you have not activated your card of prayer, your key of prayer, I want to invite you to do that now. Maybe it's been a while since you've talked to God. Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe you've, you know, you're distant from God. Well, I want to tell you that he's wanting to hear from you. 
And I want to invite you to give heaven permission to interfere on your situation. What are you dealing with? Maybe some of you, it's not a situation or negative situation, but it's something that you just want to thank heaven for. Say, Lord, my children, thank you. Lord, my spouse, thank you. Lord, my business, thank you. Lord, thank you for that door to be able to study what I want to. Lord, thank you for that race. Thank you for the new car. I don't know what it is. But I didn't want to end the message without giving you two minutes to talk to God. So I'm going to be silent. And those watching online, I want to invite you to do that too. And as Mark plays the piano, would you activate your key of prayer? Would you talk to him? A lot of you are like, well, I don't know how to talk to God. Let me tell you that prayer is not so much about what you say, but who you say it to. So as long as you talk to God, he'll understand what's going, what you're wanting to say. And there's no language or vocabulary. No, it's just your heart. So let's do it, church. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.